Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you. Today I'm actually starting, uh, starting to, to teach from the scriptures about Christmas. Uh, it, and Christmas, remember, it is the celebration of the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will return. There will be a second coming, and thank God. The first time he came in poverty, our king came in poverty, and the next time our king is going to come to rule and reign. Now, he came during a very uh, politically hostile period in history, and and during this time, it's, it's interesting because immediately preceding his birth, there were some words that were spoken. Very important. Words were spoken to launch this plan into action. Now, I want you to locate in your Bibles Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5, and uh, find this, and then when you get there, hold your place there because I'm going to keep coming back to this over and over till the end of the message. If you're watching online, part of the e-community, please get your Bibles out. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, see, see, here, for many of you, though, God has declared, I mean, God, God has declared a destiny. God has declared uh, words of victory over your life. God has declared specific things over your life. Many of you know what God has said. You feel it, you sense it, and, and you've even found it in the word of God and you've claimed it as your own, but quite often it's not yet come to pass. And I'm asking you today to not give up, don't give up, don't give up. The promises in God's word, they're for you. And God has given you a clear word. God has given some of you specific plans. And I believe there's going to be some additional clarity that's going to come about today. Because you've prayed. Some of you, you've been praying and you've been believing for something for a long time. And maybe you're, you've given up recently. Maybe you're about to give up those prayers. Well, you're going to hear a good story today because your words can either cancel or they can launch God's plans for you. So today's message title is Words That Launch God's Plans. Today we're going to be jumping into Luke chapter 1 where, we're, where we have this scene of these two uh, angelic visitations uh, today. And next week I'm going to be talking about the two individuals to whom Gabriel uh, arrived on the scene and spoke to, and we're going to look at their verbal responses, how they responded to the prophetic word that was coming to them and how it actually shaped them. Uh, we're going to look at Zechariah, and we're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, we're going to talk about Mary, the mother, mother of Jesus next week. We're going to talk about Zechariah today, because both of the stories of, of uh, the angel speaking to Zechariah and the angel speaking to Mary, the mother of Jesus, these actually weave together. And, uh, and we're going to see how Zechariah heard the word of God that was spoken to him by the prophet Gabriel and what he did with it. Now, uh, just, to, just to clarify a few little things here, we're in some of your Bibles, you may see the term Zacharias, and that's, un, that's understandable. That's just a different way of saying Zechariah. He is not the Zechariah from the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah. That's, Z, that's Z-E-C-H, that's Zechariah, and this is Zechariah. So it's kind of like Zech and Zach, two different people. It's kind of like Tim and Tom. You know, you know, don't call me Tom. I'm not Tom. But it's, So there's a one vowel difference that makes their names different, but 
but they're very different people, lived in completely different time periods. But this is Zechariah, or Zecharias, as, as in some of your translations you may see it, and, and he has a wife by the name of Elizabeth. Now, both of these people, he and his wife, are described in the scriptures as being very upright before the Lord. They observed the Lord's commandments, they followed his regulations, they, they just did, they were blameless in following the way of God. Uh, we would have to say these were very, very godly people. And, uh, and so Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were serving God and, and all of their lives, you know, since they were a newly married couple, they had begun praying for a son. God bless us with a son. God bless us. And they prayed and prayed and prayed for the son, but, but they got older and due to their advanced age, they just gave up on that prayer, but they had prayed it for years and years and years. Well, one day, Zechariah, during his shift at work, and he worked at the temple, he was a priest. During his shift at work, uh, Zechariah was visited by the angel Gabriel. You're going to hear what happens here in a second. Now, the, just, to, just to give you a glimpse into what's about to happen, the message that the angel gave to Zechariah was shocking, to say the very least. And he's going to tell them that Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a son, and his name will be John. Now, just so we can kind of get, get the, uh, the future out of, out of the way so you don't have to worry about that. This is John the Baptist. So he is about to be the father of John the Baptist. This is going to be spoken over him. And, uh, and John, it says that John would give his parents gladness and joy and, and that many, many people are going to rejoice when he's born and he's going to be great before the Lord. He's going to go out in the spirit of a power of Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he's going to to make ready the people for the Messiah. And so this is a good story, part of the story of Jesus arriving on this earth. All right, take a look at it now. Luke chapter one, we're gonna look at verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So, in other words, one priest alone would, would be allowed to go in and burn incense, uh, and they were just, there's kind of just casting lots. It was kind of a little game they played, just where, wh- whoever the lot falls on, you're the one who goes in and does it. So there could only be one. So he, he drew the lot, it's his time to go in. And it says, and when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So he's alone in the temple, burning the incense. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Now, just pause there for just a second. 
Some of the things you've been praying for for years and you've stopped praying for, those prayers are still there. They are waiting to be answered. You might as well dump some fuel on the fire because here is perfect evidence of this. Those prayers that had long stopped are now about to be answered. God answers prayers, guys. Old prayers can still be answered. Don't lose faith. God's timing is not your timing. Look at this. It says, he will be a joy and delight to you, speaking of the baby, John. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, here's the next part of this, which just says that he is to be separated out. He's to basically take a Nazarite vow. So he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. That's just kind of an interesting fact there. This is the first person in the scriptures that is spoken of as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody else prior to this in in all the church, the Spirit rested on them. He is the first person who's filled with the Holy Spirit, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit actually in the womb. It's amazing. So it says he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In other words, to prepare people's hearts for the arrival of Jesus. Now, if an angel appeared to you and told you all of that, you would be thrilled to death, right? This is exciting. I can't believe it. What we prayed for is going to happen, but not just praying for a son. Look what's about to happen. This is something that's been prophesied about in the scriptures. I mean, he would have known the scriptures. So this is an exciting moment. This is an exciting moment. You, you, you know you'd be probably, we'd probably be jumping up and down, or would you? I don't know, but let's take a look at how Zechariah responds. So Zechariah asks the angel, well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Now, catch this. Those were words of doubt. Basically, he's telling the angel that it can't happen. <laughs> so the angel says, wait, 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 wait a second. He, maybe he didn't say just that, but he said something like it. Take a look at it. It says, the angel said to him, um, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this really, really, really good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time, Angel Gabriel saying, because I've already spoken it. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision, yeah, in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. It's it's one of those times where you think, I just wish I would have learned sign language. I just don't know. And he's making signs, trying to explain everything. But it says, when the time of his service was completed, in other words, when his shift was over with, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. 
In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now pause there for a second. Zechariah's response was what I would call humanly predictable. But it falls far short of the expectations of the angel. That's why he's saying, how can I be sure of this? We're old people. And his, his, his quick response basically showed the, the, the condition of his mind. And it reveals to us that, of course, Zechariah didn't respond correctly because of how the angel followed it up. So again, he finishes his temple. He's un, unable to speak. And it wasn't long before Elizabeth, his wife, is pregnant. Now, I've read this story and heard this story all my life. I mean, my goodness, I was raised in church. This is one of the staple stories that go along with Christmas. So you're getting it today again, all right? But... But the thing that, that I, I've always been amazed with is why did the angel shut his mouth? I, I, I'd never, it's like, that's just the weirdest thing. I mean, our preschoolers were learning about this on Sunday. I went down the hallway and, and, uh, and, and the, one of the teachers says, so tell, tell Pastor Tim what we learned about. And they just told me the whole story. I said, yeah, I'm preaching about that on Sunday. So, so our kids are already learning about all of this. But, but what was the deal? Why? Why did he get struck? Uh, struck dumb. I mean, like, you can't speak. Not that kind of dumb. Well, it eventually dawned on me later on is that Gabriel, he, he, he struck Zechariah mute, and it wasn't just some act of anger. It wasn't an act of judgment. It was actually an act of God's mercy. It was. See, because the mouth of Zechariah could have then foiled God's plan and actually undid what the angel spoke instead of launching God's plan. Can you imagine what he might have said when he got home if he was still able to talk? I mean, so he, he goes home and talks to Elizabeth, who at this point is Liz. And, and he's not Zechariah at home, he's Zach. So, so he goes home and is like, Liz, you're not going to believe what happened at work today. <laughs> this is crazy. And she says, well, what happened, Zach? Well, I, I, they're older, so we'll have to say, make, change the voice a little bit. He goes, well, some angels showed up and talked to me. Uh, well, right, what did he say, Zach, tell me? Well, you wouldn't believe it, Liz. Well, try me, Zach, just try me. I've heard everything. You have crazy stories from the temple all the time. Well, we're going to have a baby, she said, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I, I can't hear you. <laughs> We're gonna have a baby, crazy. And I told that angel, this is a long shot because I, I explained to the angel, said, we're old and our equipment don't work that good anymore, you know. This ain't ever gonna happen. And so the conversation would have gone on and on and on like this and they would have talked themselves out of the miracle they would have literally talk themselves out of God's plan instead of launching God's plan. So his mouth was hushed to protect the plan of God. That's why the angel Gabriel said, well, I have spoken. And so now you're not going to speak anymore. <laughs> because after the angel spoke, he's like, I'm not going to let you contradict and stop the plan of God. See, Zechariah, just like the angel said, he simply didn't believe God's plan was going to happen. And he started to verbalize it, but it was stopped. Look back at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. 
Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I mean, how often, think about this, do we follow Zechariah's example of just spouting off and saying whatever we feel or think or whatever we see? We speak our mind instead of speaking the mind of Christ. You know, I believe this. What we say and what we don't say shapes what happens around us. Come on, I'll say that again. What we say and what we don't say shapes what happens around us. I mean, Jesus even said this. He said, I give you, he said this in Matthew 16, 19. He says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about our words. We have the power on this earth to bind and loose. And what happens here happens uh, in the spirit realm. So our words are powerful. And I'm challenging us today to take this truth and to understand it and so that it will be revelation to us. It will become foundational for us from the moment we walk out of here for the rest of this week and we're going to keep on living this way. Now, the the challenge is none of us have a perfect mind. Uh, I mean, who thinks only godly thoughts? Well, you know, I'm I'm sure my mom and my dad do because they're wonderful, but, but who only thinks godly thoughts? No one. Because Satan puts thoughts into the minds uh, of, of us, of people, of everyone. And those thoughts then create words. I've already taught on this, but our thoughts end up creating words. So like in this case, Zechariah, he was already at this place where his thoughts were, were this will never happen, this will never happen. And so when the angel declared it, he begins to speak the negativity. So what happens though is when we speak these words that come from the thoughts that are planted in our minds, we actually have the ability and even the likelihood of thwarting a plan or plans that God has for us. And we also have the opportunity to launch God's plan. See, Satan can put words into your hearts and minds and he can make you think that they're even your own words, that they're your own thoughts. That's why it's, I'm just, be honest with you, it's, that's why it's not wise to just say, I'm just gonna speak my mind. Because if you just speak your mind, you might be actually speaking the mind of the enemy. In fact, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that believers make is that, uh, is that a lot of times we, we predicate a conversation or a statement with this phrase right here. Well, I'm just gonna speak my mind. And it's never in a very nice tone. Have you ever noticed that? I'm just gonna speak my mind. <laughs> uh, one time someone, someone did that to me several years ago and, and I knew they never really had much, every time they spoke their mind, it's like, ah, oh, this is trash. So, so I just said, well, <laughs> I told this person, well, I'd actually prefer to hear the mind of Christ instead of what's on your mind. And, and they didn't say what they were going to say. But that's actually sometimes might be a good thing to do. I mean, I wonder how many times a, a really a good person godly person who has great plans that's laid out for them by Christ or possibly you know a church that has an amazing future or potentially uh, a powerful destiny for a city or a nation and those plans are thwarted by people saying things because 
thoughts are placed in their mind by Satan. They repeat those things and they begin to nullify the promises of God. They bind the works of God. See, I don't want to be a person who binds the work of God. I want to be one who loosens, who looses the work of God through my words. And don't you want to do the same thing? I want to launch God's plans through my words. I think it's more important now in this crazy season than ever before. We must watch our words. The Apostle Paul helps us to know what to speak uh, regarding launching God's plans. He says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listens. So really, we can curse ourselves with careless words. We can curse the work of God with just emotion-based chatter. You know, I, as a pastor, I, I, I learned this years ago uh, that, that uh, you know, you can pray and pray and pray over a person and not see any freedom or any deliverance over them, uh, but, but eventually find out that a curse was loosed on them due to what they spoke upon themselves, or they came into agreement with what somebody else said to them or about them, and they said, yeah, that's just me. That's just the way I am. Now, now I want you to understand this. When it, when it comes to the word curse, there is, if you're a believer, no one can curse you, okay? Do you understand that? Nobody has the power to do that. No, there's no power in hell that can curse a, a believer. So please understand, it bounces right off of you unless you take it in you digest it, and then you repeat it back out. Well, that's just true. Then what you're actually doing, if you come into agreement with it, then you have invited the curse onto your life. That, my friend, is dangerous. See, a curse is this. It is speaking evil to or against someone, and it includes ourselves. So we should ask God to show us any kind of word curses that we've spoken over ourselves. I mean, it's reckless, it's just, it's just reckless to be cursing ourselves, to be cursing our families, or to be cursing the, the work of God with our words. Uh, the scriptures tell us reckless words pierce like a sword. And we need to be very, very careful. Very careful. In fact, there are some terms I think we should always watch out for. <laughs> the terms are always and never. We, we should use the terms always and never very, very seldom. <laughs> uh, because... That kind of draws a line in the sand. And sometimes those things are, are, are spoken in ways that are so negative. And if you will even listen to some of the, the thoughts that are going around in your head, those words always and never are constantly there. And you've got to push those out. Because when they begin to come out of your mouth, you're saying things like, well, I'll never have any friends. I'll always be a loser. I'll always be an addict. I'll never get married. Or parents speaking to children, you'll never amount to anything. You're always such a brat. To your spouse, there's nothing I love about you. I hate you. I always knew we were going to get a divorce. Or regarding your work, I, 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 I've always hated this job. Well, actually, you've just now cursed yourself into possibly unemployment. I'll never get a raise. Yeah, you, with that attitude, you won't. <laughs> My job stinks. I hate my boss, or I'll always have this debt. I will never be financially free. I will never have a decent job, or even things like this. I can't memorize scripture. I've heard people say that. I can't memorize scripture. Well, you won't now, 
and you wonder why you can't, it's because you've actually cursed yourself and you've come into agreement with it. I can't understand the Bible. I don't have enough time to read the Bible. It's not there, I never have enough time. See, whatever is in your heart and your mind is eventually going to come out of your mouth because the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So instead of cursing our lives, my challenge to you is is to begin to absorb and to live in the blessings of Almighty God, the words of God that will launch the plan of God, and those those things are the words that will come right back out of your mouth. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a great start where God says this, and some of you need to receive this and claim this over your life. I know the plans I have for you. That's what God says. I know the plans I have for you. And you know when God said that to his people, he said it to them when they they were at their deepest, darkest, loneliest, saddest point where they felt like there's no use to pray. There's no use to even try anymore. God speaks and says, I know the plans I have for you. Uh, They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on, guys. Those are things we need to receive and begin to declare. So here's how to launch God's plans. I want you to launch God's plans. First of all is we just need to repent to God for words that were spoken that were just wrong. And we've all done it. Matthew chapter 12 or 37 says, by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Did you realize the scripture said that? Jesus is the one who said that. Proverbs 12 verse six says, the speech of the upright rescues them. So God, forgive me for even beginning to foil your plans for me with my words, with my negativity, with, with my, my, just, just my depressing words that bring me down and bring others down. God, I'm sorry. Second step in this of launching God's plans in your life because you know there's destiny. You know there's future. You know there are promises for you. You know it. You know it. But there's this other side of you that you keep speaking and that it's been, it's been defeating you. Today's the day to break that, okay? Here it is. You need to renounce the enemy and the curses that he has applied. Just renounce the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says we have renounced the secret and shameful ways. And, and we renounce by, by, it's, it's by speaking the opposite. In fact, one of the most powerful forms of spiritual warfare is to speak or to do the opposite of whatever is happening. And so that's actually powerful spiritual warfare. See, Jesus understood the power of words. Here's a good example of this. When Peter had denied Jesus three times, and he was humiliated for it. He knew he had done wrong. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus approached him on the beach a few days later and said, and said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah, Jesus. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Jesus. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you, Jesus. Bam, bam, bam. Three times, three affirmations. And that broke that, broke that curse over Peter's life. The curse was broken. See, your mouth got you into your problems and your mouth can get you out. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and God has given every one of you great power. Understand this, you are made in the image of God. Your words have great power and you can lose health or you can even release life, release health on your life if you're just willing to use those right words. I'm encouraging you to launch God's plans in your life by speaking new words. I don't know what God's plans are for you, 
but just they could be just the opposite of some of the things you've been saying. So instead of some of those things I said just a few minutes ago, maybe you should start saying, I will have friends. I will be successful. I will no longer be an addict. I, I will get married. Parents, to your children, you say, you will grow up and you will do great things. You will and you do have the favor of God on your life. To your spouse, I love you. We're in this together. We can make it. <laughs> on the job. Oh, this is a big one. I'm grateful for my job. I am going to get a raise. God bless my boss. Now, for a lot of people, that's the hardest one right there. Like, do I really want to say God bless my boss? Yeah, you do. Because can you imagine when God starts blessing your boss and your boss just changes their whole attitude and demeanor? Isn't that what you wanted anyway? So start asking God, God bless my boss. Bless, bless, bless. And Jesus said, now, it may not be a good idea just to walk up to him, lay hands on him and say, bless to Jesus. I don't know if that's going to work, but you can pray, all right? I, it, might, it might just come across a little strange. Just make sure you've heard from God on that one. But, you know, we need to begin saying this thing. I, I, I will get out of debt. I will be financially free. I will get a decent job. I can memorize scripture. I will understand the Bible. I have time to study and read the Bible. Begin to speak the opposite of what you have been speaking, whether it's over your life, over your business, over your destiny, over your relationships, over your finances, whatever it is. Do this and begin to watch things change. It may not shift overnight, but it will. And here's the third part on launching God's plans. Third part is this. Declare God's truth and give him praise. What is God's plan for you? What is God's promise for you? For everyone, it's a little bit different. There are common things that are in the scriptures for all of us, but God's destiny and plans are a little different for each one of us, and I'm encouraging you to begin to speak it out. Don't wait around and look for evidence. Here in a few weeks, I'm going to take you through just a little, just a little process of choosing your one word for next year. <laughs> and that word needs to be a word of declaration of faith, where you can't see anything <laughs> that, that would potentially work there, but you need to choose something that's going to begin to declare what God is doing. And say, well, I just got to see some evidence first. No, that's actually what Zechariah was saying. See, faith is the confidence and the certainty in what we hope for. It is the proof and it's the assurance of what we do not see. So we declare in faith without seeing before you have any evidence that it will come to pass just because God said, God said, and that's it. When I was a kid, we used to say this little saying, and all of us, I remember when I, was, uh, when I was in junior high, we all opened up our Bibles and wrote this in our Bibles, and it was a big thing for all of us. We would quote it to each other, but it, we said, said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. We wrote it in our Bibles, and it was a big deal. We'd show it off to each other. But that was a big inspiration even then. It still is to me today. And it's not just declaring it but it's worshiping God before, during, and after the miracle. You know, maybe God's plans haven't launched yet. Maybe, maybe it's still sitting on the launching pad. <laughs> well, you're going to just begin to praise and worship God. Did you notice a little bit earlier that when we talked about that, Elizabeth, as she was pregnant, she said, God did this to me. God did. So she's already giving God praise. <laughs> Thank God. You know, see, she didn't get her words taken away. She's saying, God did this to me. This is God's deal. This is God's deal. And her husband's going, mm-hmm. 
Jump down to near the end of that chapter. Look at verse 57. Because I want you to see how this thing wraps up. Because it wraps up very, very different from the way it started. Luke chapter 1, verse 57, it says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. A miracle. Prayers answered. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Just like the angel said it was going to happen. On the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, because that was the custom, you name the child after the father, his mother spoke up and said, no, his name is to be called John. (laughs) She still has her words. Her husband, Zechariah, still can't say a thing. Well, the people around at at the temple, they said to her, Well, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to the father. By this time, he knew sign language, okay? He had nine months to get this thing figured out. (laughs) To find out what he would like to name the child. His sign language still wasn't very good, so he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name, not shall be, but is, present tense, John. Okay, hold here. This is an interesting facet. He wrote the plan of God. He wrote out the positive plan of God. Even though he couldn't speak, he wrote it. There's something powerful right there. And, And immediately after he wrote it, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak. And what was he doing? He was praising God, praising God. Okay, this is direct evidence right here in the scriptures that you can literally write out promises God has given you. Make it specific. Some of you need to leave here today and write up a plan, draw up a plan, write out the promises God said to you and say, in in Jesus' name, this is it. Write it out. Because when he wrote it out, bam, the miracle happened for his life. And then all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. You see, when a miracle happens, (laughs) people are going to know God did it, that it wasn't your doing. People are going to know that God was in the middle of it, and God will get the glory for it, and God will do amazing things on the other end. And here's the cool deal is, is now the second person in the, in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second person in the entire Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit is Zechariah. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Oh, just pause there for a second. There's a prophet locked up in some of you. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is going to bring that out and it's going to be released. There's a, there's a prophetic destiny for many of your lives. Look how he begins to prophesy. He says, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rest 
rescue us from the hand of the enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And now, so he prophesies about, about what the, the goodness of God and what God's up to. And then this anointing to prophesy because he's filled with the Holy Spirit now. And now he begins to prophesy over his son. I'm telling you guys, there's, there, there's anointing God wants to release on you to not only prophesy over the good things God's doing, but to begin to prophesy over your sons, your daughters, your spiritual seed, those who you've, who you've helped and led to Christ and baptized, you begin to prophesy over them. There's so much potential locked up in this room. There's so much potential for everyone who's, who's listening online as well. Look at this prophecy. He says, now you, my child, <laughs> I know he would have been proud to say that, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, which, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven and shine on these living in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And now the outcome was launched. This last verse says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. You see, Zechariah changed his heart from cursing the plan of God <laughs> to praising the God who had so much grace on him to keep his mouth shut so that the destiny could really happen. God loves you. He, he, may, he may move some things around in your life that you don't like, but, but he's got a plan. Don't, don't think that because things are moved around, God's mad at you. No, he has a plan for you. He is working on you. He, he is, he's taking you to your next place. So just begin to praise God in the middle of it. I mean, what plan for God in your life is still sitting on the launching pad? What plan, what dream, what destiny of God's is still sitting there? Something maybe you've prayed for, but you've quit because it's been too many years. Maybe you've quit praying because the world is all upside down this year and you don't know what's going to happen, so you've just quit praying. Maybe you've cursed it. But today's the day to break that curse. Stop, stop blaming everything around. Stop, stop blaming what other people said to you. Stop blaming what people said about you. Stop blaming COVID. Stop blaming your past mistakes. <sighs> Begin declaring now. Now, the promises God has for you and begin to declare the favor of God over your life and begin to declare that, that God is going to accomplish what he has started. God is not teasing you. God is not messing with you. No, the plans and the destinies, I call them out in the name of Jesus and I encourage you to begin to renounce those, those words that you've spoken in the past because you will not thwart God's plan. I, I tell you what, no one who's listening to me right now will have any desire to thwart the plans of God anymore. You don't want to do that. What you want to do is accelerate them and launch the plans of God, and it's time to do that right now. And what I'm going to ask that we do here as we close today is I'm going to ask that if there's a plan, there's a dream, there's a destiny, there's something in your heart that maybe it's just been hanging out there for a while. Maybe you've just become very discouraged with it as of late. 
Maybe you're thinking, man, the timing is off on everything. What's happening here? Or too much time has gone by. Or I've made too many mistakes. If that's you today, today's the time to reclaim that destiny, to begin to speak words of life where even words of of darkness were even spoken over in the past. Now's the time to turn it around. So what I'm going to ask that we do as as we wrap up our service today is I'm going to ask us to move into a time of worship again. I'd, I'd like the guys to come back up here. And we're going to just worship the Lord for a few minutes. And if, if, you, if you have that desire to break out of where you are and you know there's a destiny, you know there is something unique, and you don't have to tell me what it is, but you know there's something unique a calling on your life, a destiny on your life, and you've not yet seen it. And maybe discouragement is settling in. I'm going to ask you as we begin to worship, do you just begin to come and walk up here to the front and just stand here? Uh, Rebecca and I, we're just going to come around and we're going to pray for you. We're just going to pray blessing over you. But what I want you to do is speak words of life and speak words of praise to God. That's the formula that John used, uh, excuse me, that Zechariah used, and that's the formula that I'm asking us to use as well because that's scriptural. I want to pray for you right now. Will you please stand all across this room? God, I pray for there to be a release of favor in this room. God, I pray for a release of faith where we can expect and believe things that we can't see, that we can't touch, that we don't even know that's there, that we can't even feel anymore. God, I pray for a release of faith that that destiny will happen, that that that, that future that you have promised us, that we're going to go for it. And God, I pray that it will result with just a new infilling of your spirit, God. A spirit of prophecy will come upon us, God, and we will begin to declare the good things of God. We will begin to declare what God is doing, not only in our lives, but through our lives and in the lives of many others in Jesus name in Jesus name as we begin to worship just please come and fill up the front God bless you as you do so have you discovered your street of influence whether it be family government business arts and entertainment faith health and vitality or education head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today